All right, so Jeff, you got anything to contribute to this podcast? Yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, I still have. Uh, you still got stuff over there? Quite a bit here. So, yeah, and I've, I've got a. I'll tease this to you. I've got a Billy Graham story that will blow your mind. Really? So, yep. Billy Graham story that'll blow my mind. Well, that that'll be interesting. Thank you for to listening that. to the Fields Brothers Show. Let me do this one here. All right, go ahead. Welcome to the Fields Brothers Show podcast. I am Jeff Fields. I'm here with my older brother, Roger. We are coming to you from the uh, glorious land of central Kentucky, where we were born and raised. And we are two recovering pastors that enjoy uh, life on this side of the cross and just seeing what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. You know, Roger, I'm convinced more and more that all spiritual progress is just a matter of seeing who Christ is and what he's done. And until we... See that, and that's an expanding revelation. But anyway, well, no, I, I agree with mean, that. But I want to bring up something else, and she kind of yeah. veered into it. Okay. So, but anyway, welcome to our podcast. Um, okay. Well, you, you call ahead. me the older brother. Okay. Yeah, you just just bro- in terms of yeah. uh, age, not in terms yeah. of prodigal and son, I'm, I'm, that right, type I'm of four, older brother. Yeah, well, that, thank so. you. I'm four. I'm four <laughs> years older. Yep. And I was going to say, older brothers get a bad rap. Okay, and I'm going to explain this. Okay. All right, so there's a four-year difference. Go ahead and clean and get it off your chest. So, this, so, <laughs> so for instance, let's say when I was like seven, you were about three. Yeah. Okay? Yep. So I'm now I'm active, and I'm, I mean, I, you're still kind of wobbly and unstable. I mean, you know, but I'm, okay. I mean, I, we're, there's a big gap. And you get toys and things when you're, you know, a kid. It's like one of the things I, I get, and I forget exactly how it was but you get these bow and arrows with the rubber stopper on the end of it mm-hmm. okay i thought of this the other day something came up on facebook made me think of this well you know what am i supposed to you do you need a target i huh? mean <laughs> you run across the, the living room i feel like i'm on the serengeti plane and there's uh, there's prey right in front of me would i not take my new bow and arrow with the rubber stopper and see if i could take out the prey going across the living room well of course and but then Did you get happen? in trouble for that i don't kind remember of stuff. that well, similar stuff okay. that I, you know, but I'm just saying that was a, that's an illustrative. There's no telling what all I have suppressed in my subconscious of stuff that you did to me, I bet. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> there probably is a few things, yeah, that you probably pushed down in there. Well, let you start I, mean, I shot you with a BB gun once. You don't even remember that, though, do you? I remember we had BB guns. but I Yeah, I shot you with a BB gun either. once on purpose. But anyway, so. there again, what am I supposed to do? You, you, I get a BB gun. Oh, what's your <laughs> fault? No. It's, it's like I have prey right there in front of me. Can I not? Okay. What do you got? Well, I, I started the last one, kind of jumped into stuff. So you want to you want to start? I mean, I've got stuff. But All right, know. I got a theory. Okay. You hear my theory? Theory is Christians are great in groups of two or three. Once you get more than that together, you start, things begin to unravel. It's when you cluster Christians, you get in trouble. Okay? Normally. Now, I'm okay. not, this is a generalization. <laughs> no. This, well, but it's a fairly accurate generalization. So, and maybe that's why Jesus said, you know, we're two or three are there. You know, I'm in the midst. Maybe, of course, this is before the new covenant. So yeah. he's there all the time. How many yeah. Christians are, are available? Even just one, he's there. Yeah. But maybe that's why he didn't say, maybe he could have gone on to say, I am there two or three. If you get more than that, I'm probably not going to be showing up. But he, he didn't say that. Okay. But for instance, I believe there's a chemical reaction that happens when you get two, three dozen, two, three hundred, two, three thousand Christians together. Things do change. Yeah. And so you kind of get a chemical reaction. You get a power struggle. You kind of get what happened to James and John. I mean, they would not have 
came, come to Jesus and said, now who's the greatest? If it wasn't a group already formed of 12, that's, because, that's the way the thinking begins. Mm-hmm. You get a herd mentality, and the success of the group and where you fit in often takes priority over Jesus. That's when you have committees. That's when we get our denominations. We get even subclusters in churches. That's when we split. Subclusters. Okay. Yeah, you get a cluster, and then you yeah. get a subcluster. All right. We got our cluster, the main <laughs> cluster being the church, but then we get our subcluster that thinks we should be doing things okay. different All right. than the big cluster. And so that's when, and you can see this in Scripture. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Did not God um, confound them by mixing up their languages when they got, did what? Got together to build a tower. When they started to cluster to try to accomplish something. Of course, and then they were getting along up yeah. until that. So but, it they, but, but it was, it was, I think God knew that this is going off on a bad path. That's when you get the celebrity leader is when you get a cluster. And so, and so, and maybe that's why one of the first things that God made sure happened to the church is what happened. They scattered, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that, I mean, you gotta wonder. They, I mean, it's not like they just had a big cluster and sent out little mini clusters as missionary groups. The main cluster scattered. Now, maybe there was some brilliance behind that that we have not seen. Okay, a couple of thoughts along those lines. All One, right. the, the, the two or three, I, I do remember hearing years ago that we've always seen that as a minimum, you know, yeah. where two or three are gathered. Yeah. And I did hear someone say, maybe that's not the minimum, maybe that's the maximum. Or the <laughs> but, optimal. So it's you know? what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. other thing, and I don't, I'm not, I don't know if this is right at all. I just remember hearing about the, the mustard seed parable that talks about the birds that come rest in its branches. And the idea of the mustard there's really not a mustard tree. It's a, it's a bush, and so it's designed to be small. And if okay. it gets to, and birds are normally used in Scripture in a bad way. You know, those okay. are representatives of evil. That when the mustard bush gets too big, becomes a tree. That's when the birds come and rest in it. I'm not saying that's what he was talking well, about. I was just saying that's know. kind that's of interesting. Deep, but that's consistent but, with what you're talking about. That but, when it gets too big, from a human organizational standpoint. Now, how do you know you're in trouble? I'm going to tell you. There's a telltale sign if your cluster is getting out of control. Okay. I'm going to tell one thing. I've been wondering that, right? Okay, so I know you yeah. Now, there's a lot of things that happen. You get your bylaws, you start getting committed, a lot of things like that that are telltale signs. But here's the one way you know it's going south. Okay. Are you ready? When you come up with your mission statement. Yeah. When we got to say, okay, what are we about? What are we going to, what's our vision or what's our mission statement? That's when buckle in. You're going. You're in for a bumpy ride. And so I mean, and so basically, it's a way to say if if you're in line with this, then you're one of us. If you're not in line with this, well, it's a way to say that our particular mission is now paramount to us. Mm -hmm. What we are doing is now the most important thing. I mean, tell me, tell me that I'm wrong. But now, let me say one other thing too. I have to pay. I have to, or let me say, it gets my attention. When the gospel, as far as I can read on a lot of reports, is breaking out in Iran, okay? Mm-hmm. Some of the fastest growing, they say, number one, by far fastest growing place where the gospel is spreading is in the nation of Iran. Mm. And there is no organizational structure yeah. anywhere. It is all organic, and it is catching fire because there's no stupid organizations that are getting committee meetings together and holding, putting up their vision statements. I mean, it's and almost like the body of Christ has a head. You it's would almost think, like the body of Christ has one spirit about within that? there. <laughs> so anyway, that's my observation, and I'm sticking to it. So there, uh, I've seen some things lately about you know on Facebook posting a. You know, a particular congregation just 
and the pastor talking about all oh, about how great the attendance has been, the best attendance ever, and all this. I think do they realize what that looks like? I mean, they're just promoting themselves rather than. Christ. And, and what do you do when you if you go to another town, okay, and you meet an, a pastor friend, okay, and if you have time available, what's the one thing he's going to want you to do? Yep, say that again now. Okay, so you're in another town, okay, and you're visiting a pastor friend. He pastors a church, okay, okay. Number one thing he's going to want you to do, if you have time, he's going to want you to do what? Come see the building. Oh, okay. see my I see building. what you're saying. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because that's where we have our, that's our yeah. deal. That's yeah. where our organization meets. That's our, our headquarters. That's where that's our hub. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to know about our organization and really kind of get an yeah. idea of how successful we are, let me show you our building, what we're adding on to it, what our plans are. Look at our new gymnasium. It's about what we are yeah. doing. And I'll tell you, I think that might be a bigger deal than than what I have even made it out to be in the past. I mean, yeah. I, there's something that happens when church when churches or clusters of Christians, congregations, take on an identity, a, a, a kind of a local identity, where that identity begins to have their own objectives their own agenda their own um uh, purposes that, that's true of parrot so-called parachurch uh organizations as well oh yeah you yeah. know they start yeah. out with someone you know yeah. it's a genuine work of god and but then it becomes i mean what happens is the number one goal becomes self-preservation but see it and doesn't so happen if you just have two or three christians nobody ever thinks right. that way if you have two if two if three of you let's say the three are meeting for coffee it's Starbucks to share a scripture, to share what's going on. Nobody's ever going to say, you know, we need a mission statement. We need to form a committee. We need to have a – that never happens. It's always just about what God is doing. That's all it's ever about. You know, you make me think about the, the congregation we were part of for, let's see, from 97 to 06, I think. No, oh, 11. So from uh, 97 to 11, so what is that, 14 years, we were part of a congregation here in Lexington that um, had never had any paid staff. We re- rented locations to meet. We always had a place to meet. We were not a house church. I would tell people we were one step above a house church. It was not the perfect group. There were, I mean, it was not the perfect group, and there were things about it that, that you know, uh, were not all that great. But the one thing, you know, I didn't, never thought about this, but we never had a mission statement. And so well, I tell you, but... I mean, the, the keys to, and, and we dissolved eventually because families moved out of town, but when no one's paid an income, when no one's salaried, depends on it, and when you don't own re- any real estate at all. That helps. That eliminates 90% of, of the problems. Now, you still got doctrinal issues to, to deal with and all that, but yeah, we never had a mission statement. So this reminds me, did I tell you about, I'll try to make this quick because it was funny, but the, um, heard Mitch Barnhart speak the other day, the athletic director at the University of Kentucky, mm-hmm. and he told about he used to be the assistant athletic director at the University of Tennessee. And Mitch was young, and he saw all these other universities and athletic departments coming up with mission statements. And so he he developed this really good, articulate, on-target mission statement and shared that with the AD. And the AD basically said, that's all fine and good, but let me tell you how it goes. If we win, we keep our job. If we lose, we don't keep our job. <laughs> so there's something parallel with that. Yeah, so that's funny. Yeah, it is so bad. 
Well, anyway. I was I was getting ready to tell you about the new mission statement that came out okay, for the yeah. Fields what's, Brothers. What's our I guess I guess statement? I won't. I guess yeah. I'll just uh, if people listen, we'll oh. keep doing this. If they don't, we won't. That's our <laughs> we we may still keep doing it. Yeah, even we, if they don't know, listen. we we still may do it. That's true. Yeah, that's true. The um, last podcast talked about relationship. Uh, uh-huh. I want to take off on that a little bit. That dovetails with something I was thinking about. That. In terms of the Trinity, I think that is something that we have underemphasized. That and also has to do with the subject of holiness. I think we have greatly misunderstood the term of holiness. Oh yeah, for sure. We have made holiness a stainless steel, unapproachable type yeah. of thing. Yeah, and that is not. And so you know, the one of the main verses we remember is Isaiah six, and we said, "Holy, holy, holy," three times. Mm-hmm is the Lord of God Almighty. And, uh, and I heard someone talking, I think it's true, that the main aspect of holiness is the relationship. You know, holiness itself means other. It means unique. Right. It means one of a kind. Right. There's it's nothing like it and all that. A limited edition. Well, no, see, limited edition, you can have a bunch. I mean. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, We're right. not about only one. Okay. I mean, the Mona Lisa is not a limited well, edition. There no, is one. but I mean, we're not, there's more than one Christian. That we're not. Like if we say that God has made us holy, where there's more than one of us. Okay, well, okay, you're you're, you're making my point here. But the right. idea that the relationship is there's only one type of Christian relationship, love, basically. Right. So I mean, and and but the idea that that the holiness of God, I mean, the really really unique thing that that there's different things that make God different than all the other false gods that are, you know, Greek mythology and all these have come up with is the relational aspect of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I think that's what the movie The Shack did a great job of pointing out. I know a lot of people don't like The Shack, but we like The Shack. But the way the Father, the characters of the Father, Son, and Spirit interacted with nothing but love, mm-hmm. never any competition, never any self-interest, always looking for the interest of others within that community. Mm-hmm. And that's why even from the very beginning, others have pointed out you know, from Genesis you know, let us make man in mm-hmm. our image. And the, even the word God, I think, is in plural. You know, in the beginning, God is, I think, is the plural version of that. And so the idea of a community of love that is completely other-focused, um, selfless in that regard, looking out for others, consumed by love, and is marked by joy and peace, that is unique mm-hmm. in the world. And, and obviously that is tremendously needed. So when we think of the holiness of God, I think it's, uh, you know, that's where my mind these days anyway is going more than that rather than a stainless steel, unapproachable yeah. type of situation. Yeah, we've, of course, we, we look at every scripture through an obligation lens, a performance lens, behavioral lens, and mm-hmm. the, the word holy is just one of the ways that we've done that, one of the verses, words we've used and done it that way. So anyway, well, I've been teasing up that I've got my top scriptures you're never going to see on a plaque. I'm not going to give you all of them, Jeff. I'll give you a few because a few of them I don't know if I want to sell on the podcast. But these are not all Old Testament. For instance, here's a New Testament. I bet you you're never going to see Mark 14, 51 through 52 on a plaque in somebody's house. You ready? That may be close to the time of the crucifixion. Uh, what is yep. it? But not quite there, probably. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth on his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. You're never going to see that on a plaque in somebody's house. Okay, there's some speculation about who that young man is. Yeah. Do you know that? Could have been Mark. Right. He's yeah. telling the story. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Acts chapter 1, verse 18. You're never going to see this on a plaque. 
Now this man acquired a field, and with reward of his wickedness, <laughs> and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. We're gonna You're put never a, gonna see that on a bumper sticker, on a plaque. Never gonna happen. We're gonna have to put a PG thirteen rating on this podcast. Oh, I'm, for, I'm uh, weeding out gra- the graphic other. images. I think is what they well, these call are that. scriptures, Jeff. Okay. But these are scriptures, or um, or even this. Okay, this is a pretty term. Like this is this is in uh, Luke nine verse fifty four. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Not going to see that on a plaque in somebody's house. Yeah, I don't, you know, now that's, I don't think I've ever memorized that verse either. Yeah, I've memorized well, oh, we never verses. memorized any of this. Yeah, so that's oh, kind yeah. of the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I'll give you one more. I've got more, but I'm not going to go through the rest of them. Um, the, uh, this is in um, um, John 18, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and oh. cut off his right <laughs> ear and his in the servant's name was Malchus. Yeah. I do remember the name Malchus. You're never going to see that on a plaque at somebody's house. So you ever anyway. known of a no one ever names their kid Malchus, do they? Yeah, yeah there's Malchus. Yeah, there Malchus? is. Marcus, ever to Marcus, Malchus. Um I'll have to think, but there's a Malchus. Okay. I know a Malchus. There's a there's a Christian <laughs> author named Malchus something. Or Malcolm. Well Malcolm. Then maybe I'm thinking of Malcolm. Okay, I'll, I'll think more about it. But anyway. you know what this makes me think of is, I mean, there's a school of thought. I was probably in this to some extent that kind of sees the Bible as a the literal words as magical. That the more of those words I can get in my brain, yeah, then that's going to happen to something. So you know, you get a lot of verses like that. You know, kind of yeah. make me think. Well, maybe that's not true maybe it's more yeah. the message of christ that's yeah the, that's who knows maybe it's more about the gospel how about that yeah oh one thing i was going to ask you um you worried about your barley field uh getting set on fire well jeff i gotta tell you I, i've never had a barley field <laughs> so I'm, i don't feel real worried about it being set on fire but go ahead okay the background of this you yeah. know i talked about that or had text the other day i don't remember this passage at all you said you remember other someone else preaching yeah, on preaching this on, but, yeah. but a friend of mine who listened to the podcast sent me a clip from a sermon that he had heard and there's a story in the old testament about was it i even forgot who it was was it absalom or somebody in the old testament that, i forget who it was that evidently you know he had a barley field and god or at least the reading then, or what they perceived it as. I think I'm not sure they perceived it right, but they perceived it as God set the barley field on fire to get Absalom's attention, or something like that. Anyway, this pastor recently, you know, shared with the congregation that um, you know sometimes God has to do things in our lives to get our attention, and then he told the story about Absalom, and so basically is. The the, you know, the the warning was if you're not giving God the time he wants and if God needs to field. get your attention, then he's going to burn down your barley field. Let me tell you the simple things I really hate about that. Okay. I seriously hate about yeah. it. One is what that does for people, and I know people who believe that without using that barley field yeah. analogy, or you know, but that when something does happen with a tragedy, whether it's a, yeah. a loved one, you lose a loved one, you lose your job, something happens, then not only do you have to go through the pain of that loss, of that disappointment, you also then have to go through the um, the fear that you've done something to bring it on yourself, that you've let God down somehow. That So you have a double thing to deal with. Well, yeah. not only do I have to get a new job because I've been laid off, God burned my barley field, 
But now I've got to worry about what am I doing? Am I living in sin? What am I doing? So then you get introspective. You take your focus off of Jesus, the gospel, and it's just a very bad thing. And I would say also, my antidote to that kind of thinking is that when Jesus wanted to get Peter, James, and John's attention, he didn't sink their boat. He gave them an overwhelming catch of fish. That's great. Yeah, that's great. They came back, and Peter fell down on his knees and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. He knew that he was in the presence of, mm-hmm. of, of greatness, at least, and then later on, God. Uh, he learned later on it was God. Yeah, so. But but he didn't. But Jesus didn't sink his boat and say, "Okay, now yeah. I got your attention. What do you think?" You know, <laughs> you know. Jesus said, "The thief comes to kill, steal, and yeah, destroy." Right. I mean, so that's it. Yeah. Well, with that story, Peter, I kind of forgot about that. So depart from me, I am a sinful man. So we know what Jesus did. Jesus immediately said, "Oh boy, Peter, you're right. I forgot all about that. I'm yeah. out of here." Yeah. No, that's not what no. he did. So he didn't depart Completely. from. But that was Peter's perspective. Yeah. Right. So, oh, yeah, I mean, right. That that but, illustrates how the blindness that we have, that we see our sin as that God just doesn't want to have anything to do with us yeah. because of our sin. Right. So, so Peter was wrong about that, but he was right to recognize that that miraculous blessing uh, came from God and came through Jesus. So, you ready for my Billy Graham story? Oh yeah, yeah. What is it? Yeah. So, and I believe this to be true. Um, I heard a. a a um, pastor out in Denver, share it. Uh, he said that Tony Campolo had told him and that Billy Graham had told Tony Campolo. So evidently, Tony, Billy Graham told Tony Campolo, but he said, I really, but the story is, I think it's probably true that Billy Graham told Tony Campolo, I'm really not free to, to tell this story publicly. The white yeah. audience, but he shared it with Tony Campolo at some point. Tony Capolo, tell this pastor. I heard this pastor talk about it on a podcast. So we know this firsthand is what we're saying. <laughs> well yeah, documented. Yeah, we're there. <laughs> but anyway, so he's in. And I mean, this got launch a whole other discussion that we'll cover some other time, but obviously not on this podcast. But Billy Graham is in Asia. I would like, you know, his grandson is very active on, mm-hmm. on Facebook. I've yeah. thought about I might message him sometime and tell him this story. Can you verify yeah, this story? Yeah, that would be a good not? idea. So, yeah. well, I'm guessing he probably knows about it. Yeah. But he was in. I think it was China, but somewhere in Asia, and had an interpreter with him going along the road, and there was a um, a monk on the side of the road praying, down on his knees praying to whoever the monk prays to. And so Billy Graham wanted to stop and talk what to the monk. a Catholic monk, or what kind of monk I don't is know. in China? It doesn't matter. I don't know. I guess not China, matter. probably a Buddhist monk. All right, go ahead. Okay. Well, it does so, matter a little bit. I mean, okay. All right. <laughs> not for the purpose of this story. Oh, okay. Not really. Or at least, well, okay, maybe. I don't think it was a Catholic. I think it was some other, you know, not not Catholic. But um, he wanted to talk to the monk, and so he felt led to talk. So he goes over, you know, has an interpreter with him, and so he begins to to tell the monk um, about the story of Jesus, you know, coming, dying on the cross, raising from the dead, and and the monk seems very attentive, and he gets emotional. Then Billy Graham has some type of a either New Testament or track or something in that language that he gives to him, and this monk is just crying. Hmm. And yes, and so he says to him, you know, you seem to be moved by what I'm I'm sharing with you. And this monk tells him, of course, back to the interpreter. He said, "This is the greatest day of my life." He said, "I've known this person that you're talking about all my life." He said, while you were speaking to me, I heard him say within me, "He's talking about me." And when you said the name Jesus, the person inside me said. That's my name. I'm Jesus. Hmm. Well, so 
(laughs) Theologically, what do you do with that and all that? We can talk about that some other time. But I believe that. I mean, I I think there is something of the presence of God within each person that that resonates. When when they hear the Christ, that it's kind of like a radio signal. You know, there is a receiver inside a person. There's all different ways you can go from there. But that, and so I, I, I think that, you know, assuming it's a true story, I think that monk did know Jesus, but not by that name. And Billy Graham said some other things later in his life that would kind of confirm that too, that, that, um, you know, it's interesting. The word what, Jesus is just an English name, you know? Yes. Yeshua was more yeah, than Hebrew. Name. But so, anyway. what, so I mean, what, what, can, what I mean, you, you gotta um, tie this up a little bit. I mean, what are you, what are you saying <laughs> though? I mean, what are you? I'm just saying there is, I think, and, and, you know, this, I think there is something within each human being that um, is of Christ, of God, that he's the light that lights every man. Now, there's different directions you can go from here. So don't, you know, people say, well, okay, then that means you believe this, this, and this. Not necessarily, you know. Yeah, it doesn't so mean you're a universalist. doesn't mean you're. For some people it does. For some people it doesn't. So right. there's different ways you can go there. But I think the idea that, and, and that makes sense because, I mean, I think I think there's scriptures that support it. For one thing, you know, he is the light that lights every man type of thing. Yeah. Um, we obviously have a spirit. Um, that the idea that, or Jesus said, you know, you cannot see the kingdom of God until you've been born again. And so I think there's one sense that it's a little late to be bringing this up in the podcast, but I think there may be a sense, you know, we talked about before the cross and after the cross, how the mm-hmm. language changed. You know, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. You know, nobody after the cross was ever told that. Mm-hmm. You know, it refers to we're we're born again by the resurrection. Yeah, there's re- well, Peter and there's we've been given new birth. I mean, there's references to new birth, right? Uh, yeah. But we're never commanded to be born again. It's just okay. we're told where they already are, basically in that regard. So I think to some degree that you know this this Chinese monk had had some exp- you know that that there was something about him that had been already been born again to some degree. Again, you can go different routes from there, but that, and then we, when he heard the message, it resonates. And that, that well, encourages okay. me to talk to other people, to anybody. If, you know, if you think anybody I talk to, there is something already within them that can pick up on this. Yeah, look, resonate I, I, I have them, so. no problem believing that God can speak to somebody before they put their faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't think that means that they're, a believer or they've received the gospel or they've received what Jesus has paid for them. I'm not there with that. I'm not a universalist. I'm not there. But I do believe that God, and I think we're seeing that in the reports I'm reading, there's, this happened all over the world, particularly in the Muslim community. A lot it's good of what you were saying in Iran. Seeing, yeah, yeah, visions and things are happening to people who are who are Muslims that are bringing them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You say, well, you know. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, I mean, interesting story. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that down the road. But... Um, I think it's pretty interesting. So, all right, good and stuff. I'm not worried about my barley field. I heard one other thing. Here, this the hamster wheel. You know, we like the yeah. That's the, in the, our the, book. It's in it? our book. You yeah. know, a lot of other people have used that too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is a step further. If we ever do ever do another book, maybe we can put a different picture in this. One person said. You know, so back up. So the hamster wheel is the idea. We're working and working and working in the church and the organization and religion, and we're just not getting anywhere. One person said, for me, I feel like the hamster's dead and the wheel is still going round and round. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just like the visual image of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that is probably a lot of people that are kind of caught up in religion and working themselves to death. That's probably, I just give up. I'm dead. I can't do this anymore. But the wheel keeps going around and around. That's so. funny.